0: You're listening to Salary Savvy, Episode 15. On this podcast, we explore how to advance the wealth and careers of women in other marginalized communities in tech. Here you'll find practical, actionable advice that helps you scale your career and unapologetically create a life you love. I'm your host, Chrissy Battle, and thanks for joining me on this journey. In this week's episode, we are talking about self-investment. And I wanted to have that be this week's topic because this is something for myself and my own career that took me years and years and years to realize the importance of, just way, way longer than it should have. And now that I have seen how important and how beneficial self-investment is, I want to make sure that I am sharing with you my tips and tricks around beginning your own journey if you haven't yet begun it, or ways to make yours more efficient if you are in the midst of it. So in this episode, we are going to talk about the major categories of self-investment. And we're going to be talking about paid and unpaid options or opportunities within each. Because I absolutely recognize that right now you might not have the monetary budget, to dedicate any resources to self investment, but you might have the time available for free or unpaid options. And I know when I started out, I did not have the budget to pay money for investment opportunities. So everything that I started out with was free as well. And before we dig in, I just wanna share a quick story about the start of my own career and a misconception that I had, because maybe you have a similar one. So when I started out in my career, I was under the impression that everything that I needed to have in terms of skills or learnings would come directly from job experience. So either I would learn it through working in my role, or I would observe something that I needed to know from others' actions, or my company would facilitate some sort of workshop or training, and that's how I would get the skills that I needed. And it took me a really long time to understand the importance of self investment because I had that misconception. And as a result of that, for the first decade of my career, things just felt like such a struggle. And it felt like I wasn't in control of this process that was really important to me. And that process was growing my career and feeling satisfaction and fulfillment in the roles that I did have and feeling like I had the ability to go out and get what I needed. I did not have that sensation at the beginning of my career. And once I realized that I was worth investing in and I should be the one that was in charge of that investment, everything started shifting for me because I realized that I'm the only one that really knows what my career end goal is. So no one else can help me like I can help me. So I should be the one who's driving. I should be the one who's looking for opportunities, both in the career perspective, so in terms of roles, we've talked about that in other episodes, but also in terms of how am I going to build the skill sets that I need to get to the next level. And another really important component of self-investment that we're going to talk about is around self-care and rejuvenation, because I feel like that's a forgotten aspect at the outset for a lot of folks. So I wanna make sure that we discuss it today so that you, number one, realize that it is an option. Number two, realize what kind of options you have within that category. And number three, talk about some of the social conditioning we've had around getting support and self-care for ourselves. So we're gonna talk about that a little bit as well. And just one last comment before we start discussing the categories of self-investment. When you're defining your own path, You can design experiences that are meaningful to you and you can seek out opportunities that are going to be the most impactful for you versus what someone else thinks from the biases of their perspective or the goals that they're seeking or whatever their agenda is versus what would be most beneficial for you. So when you're designing your own path, you can just design experiences that are going to be the most meaningful and impactful to you. And that is what I want for you to have as you're building your own career so that you can have the tools to get what you need from the environment around you. And the last component of this is just reminding you that where you're at right now is just a starting point. So all of the skills that you'll need to build over the course of your career, anything that you need to learn, you have the ability to go out and find it to find that resource, to find that training, to figure out a self-care schedule that's going to feel restful and rejuvenating to you. All of those things are going to be available to you. So if you don't feel like you have that right now, that is okay because you have the ability to go out and acquire it. And that's most of what today's episode is gonna be about is helping you understand what those options are and how you can begin to explore them. All right, let's dig in to the types of self investment. I consider there to be three primary categories of self investment. So the first one is education. The next one is rejuvenation, or I would consider it restorative self care. That is a category. And then the last one is community. So within each of these, we are going to be talking about paid and unpaid options, as well as types of subcategories that you might want to explore within each. So for education, there are four primary subcategories and those are books and podcasts, courses, mentors and coaches, and your development budget at your work if you have a corporate job right now. So we're going to talk about each of these individually as well. And my favorite subcategory within education is books. And I love books because they are so accessible. And I'm also partial to them because this is how I started my own investment journey. Because when I started realizing I was going to have to look for resources to help me and that I was going to be the one that was going to have to drive my self-development and how I'm investing in my future, I didn't have any money to dedicate to this. So I had to find all free options at the time. And the best one for me to get started with were books. And I specifically did audiobooks. So I just went into my library's app, and I put tons and tons of books that I thought would be helpful on hold. So books that talked about technical skills, books that talked about like self-development mindset work, anything that seemed interesting or would be beneficial, I put a hold on it. And then as it would come off of hold, as it came into my queue, I would listen to it on my commute. And Because my commute was about 45 minutes each way, I was able to listen to about a book a week. And the benefits are from volume and from the ability to explore different genres. And the fact that I went from reading three books a year to about 50 books a year was just such a huge shift in my education and also my motivation and my excitement and my energy level, because I was being exposed to so many new ideas And I just felt like my world had expanded in this really fantastic way that was absolutely free. So if you have not started your own journey, this is where I would recommend you kick things off. So go to your library app, put a ton of books on hold, and just start listening to them through whatever app your library uses as they become available. And at this point in my own journey now, I have transitioned to an Audible subscription And that's just from a logistics standpoint. I have listened to so many books that I've kind of run out of options that my library has available in the genres that are interesting to me. So I've just switched over to a paid subscription, but it literally took me three years of weekly, a book a week to get through the self-development books and the skill building books that I wanted to listen to before I had to switch to an Audible subscription. So you can literally get years of investment opportunities from your library for free. Literally one of my favorite resources in the entire world. Another facet of this piece of the education subcategory would be podcasts. So I obviously have a podcast because you're listening to it. I think podcasts are fantastic resources, especially if you feel like you don't have the time in your schedule to dedicate To consuming or listening to an entire book. Podcasts are fantastic because typically the episodes are shorter, things are more snippet based, so you get little hits of education or advice that could be really helpful and meaningful to you. But I also think podcasts are a free and fantastic way to begin your journey. So, the next subcategory that I wanna talk about are courses. So, I am a huge fan of courses. And so this would be something that is time bound, a class essentially, that you would be taking that would have some sort of projected outcome at the end. So usually you've built a skill or you've practiced something and at the end you have an outcome that you can expect. So I think courses are fantastic for targeted growth. And the thing that I want to call out here is there are free courses and there are paid courses. And the one that is best for you is going to depend on your budget. And it's also going to depend on your learning style. So, for me, if I'm trying to invest the amount of time and energy that a course requires, it absolutely works better if it is a paid course. And I think that is the fact for most people because with courses, there's going to be such a, an energy investment required that when you pay money, you are more likely to pay attention because not only are you intellectually invested because you want to further your self-investment opportunities, but you are literally monetarily invested in this thing. So you are more likely to dedicate the time and actually follow through with what the course is trying to teach you versus deciding that it's not for you or you get distracted. It really helps keep you focused. There are a lot of fantastic free options as well. But if you're finding that you're not really following through with the free options, then courses might be a better thing for you to explore later on in your investment journey when you have a bit more of a budget to pay for the course so that you are, again, paying money so that you pay attention. The next subcategory are mentors and coaches. So mentors are typically going to be unpaid, and these are relationships that you have often within your niche for whatever your job is, wherever you're working. And they're going to be able to give you tailored advice for your career development. And these can be time-bound or they can be open-ended. And they are incredibly beneficial. I have seen so much personal development and growth through having a mentor and just leveraging that relationship than before I had one. So if you do not have a mentor yet, I would recommend looking through your network and seeing if there's anyone who you feel would be helpful and would be open to entering into that type of relationship with you and reaching out to them. And then the thing that I want to also call out for a mentorship or any sort of unpaid relationship, if you're asking someone to help you, you also should be offering them something in return. So it doesn't have to be money in this case, but you should also be trying to figure out how you can help them as well as how they can help you Because if you have that sort of dynamic in the relationship, it can make it a lot more of a powerful connection. But also your mentor is going to be a lot more motivated to continue to help you. So the other facet or type of option within this category of mentors and coaches are coaches. And so coaches are typically paid. It's a paid relationship and it's almost always time bound. And so what I mean by time-bound is it has a defined start and a defined stop. So usually you would hire a coach for a coaching package, essentially. So for, say, it's three months or six months, sometimes there's a, a transformation that they're taking you through, and sometimes it's just you having time every week to have someone that you're accountable to, that you're checking in with, that understands your goals, and they can be pushing you and coaching you in very strategic ways. So for my personal journey, I have used both mentors and coaches, sometimes at the same time, and I have found them both to be super helpful. So I love mentor relationships to have someone that works in my same niche that I can essentially network with. We build a really close, wonderful working relationship. And then I also pay for and engage coaches for more specific help in certain areas, usually for three to six months. And it has, I have always, always, always seen an ROI on any sort of paid self investment, but especially for coaches. So, this one I would say is a bit more of engaging coaches, is what I'm talking about here. This one would be a bit more of an advanced uh, self investment technique. So, I would explore the other options first before you start trying to source a coach because coaches tend to be a bit more expensive and you also really need to understand your working style and what motivates you and be able to interview coaches before you hire the one that you want to work with so that you know you're going to get, again, that ROI, that return on investment that you're looking for. The last subcategory within education that I wanna take a minute to talk about, your development budget at work. So if you currently have a corporate job, I want you the next time you're at work to investigate what your development budget is if you're not currently aware. And if you have a development budget, I want your next goal to be to use every single penny of this development budget, because this is free money that your company is offering you to develop your skills or to invest in things that are going to be beneficial for you in the long term and in the short term. So one of your goals should be to make sure that you are maximizing that benefit, especially if you can't afford to invest in paid uh, options right now from your own personal budget. You should really be looking to leverage your learning or development budget at your work. A couple of things that I have used my development budget for are conferences. You can use your budget for professional or association fees for anything that is specific to your industry niche. That's helpful for you to be a member of. You can use that to pay for it most commonly. You can use it for things like certification classes. I have personally sought out several certification classes, both classes that were a couple of days long and classes that were six months long. And I've been able to leverage my development budget at work to pay for those The next one would be online courses. So similar to certification classes, an online course might not have a certificate that you get at the end, but it's still going to have that transformation experience like we talked about in the actual course subcategory. But this is something I just wanted to call it out again because you can usually use your self-development budget at work for online courses. So a fantastic thing for you to spend or allocate that budget for. And in terms of getting creative with how you spend your budget, one example that I personally did was I used the last couple hundred dollars one year for my budget that remained to get an audible subscription. So I pitched it to my manager. I told him I had a list of books that I was planning to use uh, once I got the subscription access and he approved it. And so I was able to get, I believe it was an annual audible subscription. And I was able to get, I think, 24 credits four books uh, to use up the last of that budget, just to make sure that I was using every penny in a way that was going to be beneficial for me. And one last tip here for your development budget, this is absolutely something that you can negotiate. In a prior role, one of the specific aspects of my employment agreement that I negotiated was a learning and development budget. And mine specifically was $10,000 that I had negotiated. And for most other folks at the company, I believe it was 1,500 or $2,000. So I was able to get a significant investment improvement in the budget that was allocated to me. And the way that I was able to get them to bump it up so much while I was negotiating is, I had a specific list of things that I was planning to spend that development budget on. So I could tell them that. I was like, I'm looking for this certification. I want to make sure that we can join this specific type of membership as a company, but I would be the person that has the membership because of these benefits to the company. But this is absolutely something that you can negotiate. So keep that in mind for future roles. So the next category that I want to talk about is rejuvenation, or sometimes I think of it as restorative investment or self-care. And The thing about this one is, especially if you are a human who was socialized as a woman, you can have a lot of socialization around the fact that you are not supposed to need support. You're supposed to be a superhuman that sacrifices all of their own personal needs to attend to others. And you're supposed to be able to manage it all and be happy while doing it. And I am here to tell you that that is dumb. How we were socialized, if you were socialized that way, does not make sense, and it is setting you up for frustration, and it does not have to be that way. So we are going to talk about a couple of self-care options or rejuvenation options that can help you make sure that you are reinvesting in yourself so that you have the energy and the mental stamina to take on the challenges of building your career. So the first thing that I want to talk about within this is rest. So the easiest way I feel like to implement more rest into your, not even just your routine, but into your overall year is actually taking time off. I know that I've struggled with this in the past because I used to think that if I didn't have a vacation planned and I hate planning vacations, then I shouldn't be taking the time because it wouldn't be worth it. And what I've come to realize is I need to be taking this time. Even if I am just hanging out at home with my kids and we're taking little day trips or we're doing something local, that is okay. But the important thing for me is to unplug and to have that disconnect where I can step back and just really focus on the experiences that I wanna have for a week or two. And that really helps me come back feeling refreshed. So if you have not taken time off in a while, I wanna challenge you to take some time off. You have earned it. Especially if you have time off that expires, versus unlimited time off, uh, similar to your learning budget, you need to make sure that you are taking every single hour that you have earned in your time off. Do not let that expire. The next thing that I wanna talk about, I feel like this is the most challenging category within rejuvenation or self-care, and that is support. So with support, these are usually going to be paid options but they are so so impactful so i want to recommend that you start to explore them if you have the budget or think about them so that when you do have the monetary budget to dedicate towards this you have an idea of where to start so within support these are things that you are paying money to buy back your time and i would recommend that you look for support domestically first so things to help you at home Before you look at things to help you in your career or your work life, because freeing up your mental capacity and your literal time availability at home gives you more time to do whatever the heck you want in your free time. And so I think that's just a much more meaningful way or efficient way to invest in support versus in your work. Some examples of things that you can hire out would be getting your house cleaned. So having cleaners come and do cleaning for you every couple of weeks or whatever timeline makes sense for you. You can also invest in meal kits or someone to help cook meals for you. And then another service that can make your life so much easier and would actually be the one that I would recommend you start with is laundry service. So I've used laundry services on and off for the last couple of years and they are so worth it. And they are one of the most cost-effective ways to start getting support from a household perspective. So I was able to get laundry service. This was when I lived in Seattle. I had a pickup service. So it would pick up the clothes, it would wash them in my detergent, it would fold them and it would drop them back off at my front door. And for a family of four people, that only cost about $30 to $40 per week. So it was relatively affordable and it saved us so much time, especially once I had my youngest Because not having to fold a million little baby clothes or toddler clothes, just, oh my God, just the mental weight of that being relieved was worth every penny of getting the laundry service. Another option that I personally use is meal kits. And we don't do the boxes that come to your house that you then cook and prepare because neither my husband nor I really like cooking. Neither of us is that great at it. So When we looked at meal services, the thing that I really wanted to find was something that was fresh and fully made. And the only thing that we would have to do is heat it up or have some sort of very minimal preparation. And I was able to find a local chef that offers this exact service and they drop off the meals a couple of times a week. And even though it is hugely expensive and it literally hurts my heart every time I have to pay this invoice, it is also so worth it because. Every weeknight does not feel like drudgery around six o'clock. We can all pick our meal kit. We all heat our own meal kit up and then we eat it together as a family. And just having that time savings and that mental energy savings of having to cook dinner every night or my husband and I basically doing the stare off to see, you know, who's going to take one for the team and cook dinner that night. Is just, I love it so much. So the way that I have our personal meal kits structured is we only do them for dinners and I do them five nights a week. So my husband and I each then take one night a week where we cook dinner. And that was to be more cost-effective. And when I cook dinner once a week, it feels fun because then I can think about like, what is one meal that I wanna have control over and just eat the exact thing that I want this week? And I just make whatever that is. And it just feels a lot more fun and engaging when it feels like I'm making a choice versus I'm doing a chore. And there are tons of other types of support that you could also explore. You could get a personal assistant. You could do anything that's going to help you buy back your time so that you can use it in a way that's going to feel more beneficial or efficient or meaningful to you. And then the last thing that I want to talk about here in the Rejuvenation or the restorative investment section is an unpaid option that you can explore and those are boundaries. So boundaries are amazing. I feel like I should have a whole episode on boundaries, but boundaries, I feel like one of the most important concepts to start thinking about if you are trying to figure out how to incorporate more boundaries into your life, it's the notion of can't versus don't. So with boundaries, it's not that you can't do something. It's that you don't. You do not do that thing. And I'll just share a couple of examples of my own boundaries. I specifically have worked really hard to implement a lot of work boundaries so that I can um, really reinforce work-life balance. And this has taken years for me to develop. so So if you don't have any of these in place right now, that is okay. This is something that you build over time. But just a couple of examples of my own boundaries that I've implemented over time are I do not check email, work email on weekends. Once I log out, I am out. I don't think about work. I don't look at work. I am done and I spend my personal time with my family. Uh, As part of that, the other boundaries that I have are I do not put work, email, or Slack or any sort of messaging on my phone. No work related anything touches my phone. So again, I've cultivated these over years. I have other boundaries, but those are, I feel like the most helpful ones that I have implemented. But the other great thing about boundaries is that they are free. You can implement boundaries. They do not cost anything besides your time and enforcing the boundary. And again, this is something that will take time to develop, to implement, to reinforce with your work or whoever you have to set that boundary with but it can be so worth it for your mental space and your peace, and I love it. I love boundaries. All right, the last subcategory that we're going to touch on is community. So the community category is going to be things like networking or industry events, conferences, groups. And I know we talked about those in the education category, but I think of them differently in terms of the purpose of why you're engaging. So if you are going to a conference to attain skills, I would consider that to be the education component of a conference. But with conferences, there's also tons of networking opportunities available. I would consider that a community investment component because you could go to a conference and not talk to anybody else the entire time. You could just watch the sessions, not participate. You've paid your money. You've gotten your skills that you've paid for and you go home. If you are focusing on both community investment and education investment, you can also network with other folks. You can have conversations outside of the sessions to figure out maybe what kind of common problems or scenarios that you're encountering, and you can talk to each other on how you're overcoming those. Or you can network to find a mentor, or there are just so many other options that building a network in a community can be helpful for you. And then the other piece for industry events, conferences, groups, If you are in a really niche industry and you are looking for a group to join or a community and you can't find anything, you have the power to create your own group. And I did this a couple of years ago. I work in a very niche industry. And there there were a lot of groups that covered kind of the general area of my profession, but there weren't pieces that were really specific to the types of companies that I liked to work for. So I decided, you know what? I'm just gonna start my own group. And the thing that I thought about before I got into it was how much money I could spend, if any, how much time I wanted to dedicate and what I wanted my end goal to be. And so I decided to stand up my group. I went and bought a Google domain for $12 a year. I stood up a very basic Squarespace website that cost about $15 a month, I think. And then I used a free MailChimp account to send newsletters out to the folks who had signed up for this group. And then I would host free virtual forum discussion groups where we would get together and talk about, you know, kind of meaningful topics from the community. And so all in, it would cost about 200 to $230 a year to host this group. And I made so many fantastic connections and it really helped build credibility for me And it really increased my confidence in terms of my ability to take action and to create the change that I want to see. But the entire point of what I'm talking about here with the groups and your ability to create your own is you can make it whatever you need it to be. And you have the power to create the platforms that you want to interact with. So that is also just a low cost way in terms of money investment that you can help create and nurture a community that's going to not only give you a place to contribute your expertise to but also for you to benefit from as well all right we have talked about a lot in this episode we have talked about the importance of self-investment as well as the major categories and types of self-investment including both paid and unpaid options so that you can start your own exploration and your journey in a way that both fits in your time budget and your monetary budget. And just as a closing thought for this episode, I just really want to reinforce that you are worth investing in. And in addition, you are your best investment. So anything that you invest towards your education, towards your self-care, towards nurturing a community or building a network, that is going to have a huge return on investment over time or sometimes even immediately. So investing in your skills and in your rest and in your experiences and in your relationships is always going to be worth it and you're going to see such a fantastic benefit over time. I hope you found this episode helpful and if you are enjoying the podcast it would mean so much to me if you could hop over to your app or wherever you're listening to your podcast and rate and review the podcast because that helps other folks find the show so that we can all go on this journey together. All right I hope you're having a fantastic week and I will talk to you next Thursday. Bye for now.